The Career Establishment's Talent Talk Asia podcast is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the all-in-one CRM for ambitious recruitment businesses. Founded by Asia-based recruiters back in 2012, over a thousand recruitment companies choose Vincere to accelerate their growth. Whether your business is contract, temp, executive search or perm, if you're looking for a new breed of tech partner, talk to Vincere. Visit vincere.com io forward slash talent talk asia for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast hi i'm andrea ross your host and in this series we feature some of the most successful talents from across the region to discuss the forces opportunities and challenges that are shaping the corporate landscape if you're keen to be a guest on the show then please reach out Welcome to another Talent Talk Asia podcast. My ambition is a simple one, which is to share stories and insights from our guest that you may not have had the opportunity to hear, leaving you with monthly doses of motivation and inspiration. Now, I've been really fortunate to have been able to interview some of the most talented people in Asia and share with you all their stories and insights. And I couldn't do this without the sponsor, Vincere, the number one CRM. And today, I'm totally excited. I have the CEO of Vincere on the show, Bernie Shimmer. Now, Bernie shares his experiences running and selling a recruitment business in Japan. They actually sold to Japan, sold to Hayes, which is for a hell of a lot of money. Then he went on to um, run a ski chalet in Japan, as you do, and his experiences of selling that business and launching Vincere. Um, we're going to be getting into some nuts and bolts of the sort of functionality and all the exciting uh, growth plans for Vincere. So if you're a recruitment firm out there looking at making that switch or just a little bit intrigued to know how someone has launched, sold successful businesses and want to pick up some tips and techniques, then I guarantee this is the podcast for you. So this is what you can expect from today. Michael Page had a terrible business in Japan. I'm not sure how they're doing now, but they've been there since 1998 <laughs> and had 60 people. So yeah, but they did. They're kind of, they just filled it full, filled it full of foreigners who basically lived like an expat life and, no. and they never really grew it. Whereas no. I've built it out with loads of Japanese. Enjoy the show. Hey, Bernie, how are you? I'm great, Andrea. How are you? Thank you for having me on. You're so welcome. And I'm sorry that it's taken so long to have you on. I feel kind of embarrassed that you guys have been... Um, sponsoring Talent Talk Asia for absolutely ages, and it's only been now that we've actually got the opportunity to actually talk. This, uh, yeah, I know, but it's probably it's probably in the in the essence of who's interesting, who's not. It's probably <laughs> probably at the right no. level, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's interesting though. I mean, I think we, you know when when uh, we were talking a few months ago when I was talking to Eloise about you coming on the show. It was always that assumption that for someone running their own company for or running a CRM system of Vincere, that you would have always been from that background. So actually, what's quite interesting for the listeners today is that you haven't just come from that background. You've done a number of things. 
Um, and one thing, you know, related to all the listeners is the recruitment background. So I think it's going to be a great episode for everyone to be listening to. So obviously, in terms of the background, we can't really kind of see where you are. It just looks like a nice little spot with a nice garden in the background. So tell me a little about where you're calling from today. Make us all jealous. Right. Um, I'm, okay. I'm calling from uh, sunny Saigon. Um, we have Beautiful. our dev center, our support center, um, and our our, uh, our APAC sales center, all based in one office. We're actually on two floors now uh, in Saigon. Wonderful. Um, I'm very yeah, jealous. I'm really, really jealous. I'm really, really, really jealous. And why did you decide to base yourself there? What was the reason behind that? Well, we're, we're, we're headquartered out of Singapore, um, and we we initially – ran the business with an office in Singapore with lots of people in Singapore, lots of people in, in yeah. Saigon. And we just decided that, you know, uh, it was just a wise move to put them all in one place and Saigon just seemed like a better choice. And you've not lived um, there before you know, or you just travel? No, no, no. no. We, I mean, I, I'm still officially out of Singapore. Um, I've been spending a lot of my time here, um, obviously, because it's, you know, it's better to be on the coal face with, with the product. Oh, um, and, and yeah. the team that's based the here. Food is amazing. Oh, oh, it's, it's you know it's oh. it's one of those. It's a hidden gem. I think mm. that a lot of people in in the next, uh, you know, the next five to ten years will be like lining up to get into Saigon because it's just, you know, it is just a cool city. Yeah, um, I think I'm it's a really refreshing one, isn't it? I know when I yeah. I spent a year. Um, I took over Vietnam office um, when I was back at Robert Waters, and I didn't quite know what to expect, but. Jeez, it blew my mind as soon as I came out of the Ho Chi Minh um, airport. There was this buzz, this feeling as you come out. Like everyone, it was just, I don't know, you could almost cut it with a knife. It was just beautiful. It was just such a buzz around the place. Yeah, yeah. Some people find it a bit chaotic. Um, oh, and some people like, some people are still, you know, oh my God, you know, it. they, they could do with a little bit of uh, a tidiness at times. But I think, I think that's kind of makes it a bit. Yeah. You know, when you come into a place and you think, you know, this country is, is, is going places uh, crazily, um, and you know, there's not just the building, but also you can just see that the population. You know, they're the in in the world um, rankings. They're near the top in terms of uh, reading and writing skills um, per per head of population. Wow, I didn't know. I think that. that might even be number one. I think that might even wow. be number one in terms. So they invest a lot in education. It's starting to show. You know, because the young population, you know, coming out of the Vietnam War is mm-hmm. the average age is about twenty nine, thirty. You know, so they and. They've got a lot going for them, really. So and it's, it's interesting be because now. there's always that perception it's always the Philippines where people would tend to put call centres or be looking. But actually what you're saying in terms of reading and writing, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's, it's, right. and it's, it's great to experience it now. So, Lucky you, know. you. I'm very, I'm very envious well, of you. So something I'd love to do on the show is to have their guests share their career history prior to where they are now. And in your case, this is quite an interesting one because I know that you used to run a successful recruitment business um, prior to setting up Vincere. Vincere. You also call it Vinny, don't you? Yeah, that comes from customers. They call right. it Vinny, Vince. Uh, they, you know, <laughs> depending on the time of day, there might be some expletives, you know. Vinny or Vince. Uh, I just love internet that. Internet connection or something, you know. But, uh, but generally, it's, it's, it's Vinny or Vincere. Yeah, I love it. And it was, I think when, I, when you guys first started sponsoring um, Talent Talk Asia, it took me ages trying to work out how to pronounce it. I had to listen to a few videos on other... I know you sponsor a few other podcasts and listen to how they actually pronounce it. Is it Vincere? Is it Vincere? How do I pronounce the damn name? Um, and I'll ask you in a sec. I'll ask you later about where that all came from in terms of the name. So you started your recruitment career with two partners, Andy Merton and Mark Holmes, and launched James Harvard International way back in 2001. 
um, and this led you to moving to Japan and setting up an office there. So talk me through that those times. I know it seems like quite a long time ago, but I think it's quite interesting to know the sort of value and your expertise on how that's led you to be running um, Vinny. So talk me through those six years of growth. No worries. I'll keep it quick. Um, we, uh, we started in Tunbridge Wells in the Pantiles. Um, the three of us uh, set up in a little office overlooking the high street. It was really Beautiful. Cool. Uh, and yeah, we, we set up with this goal in mind that we're going to build this uh, fintech. It was actually, we called it finance technology back then. We never coined the phrase, Andrea, fintech. Oh, damn it. We did. Damn I know, it. but, but we, we, we had finance tech. Uh, and basically, we, um, so we set up this, uh, this office. And we were going to go and do the fintech markets across uh, you know, London, Tokyo, New York. Um, so, so we got to the second one. So within, I think it was within a year, we'd set up our office in Tokyo and I moved to Tokyo, uh, for six months to help launch that because then I was going to go to New York, you know, this is, uh, 2001, September, 2001, when we launched the business in, in Tokyo and I was in a bar, um, and, uh, it had a Bloomberg screen on it and, uh, and it popped up and someone said, Hey, there's a plane just went into the world trade center. Um, <gasps> Oh, yeah, yes, and uh, and there was mm. a bunch of guys from E-Trade. There was one guy from E-Trade, and he was turning on TVs. He saw the second plane fly in, and uh, I think maybe it was the second plane or the first plane that uh, took out his entire team. Um, but anyway, so selfishly that night, I realized that our business was in trouble because we're doing finance tech, and we're going to what? Going to New York? Well, that's off. Yeah. Um, so so we really had to, uh, to uh, diversify and split the business up. So we spent really the first two years of that business – we spent building and, and you know and kind of recovering from from the, from the the 9/11 um, uh, attacks and and how and the effect they had on our business. And in 2003, we went through a management buyout, and I had a, a a business partner that came on board. He bought out the the other partner, Andy. Mark had left by then, um, and bought out the business partner, Andy. And his name is Paul Paul Beek. He's a very successful entrepreneur. Uh, he came on board and worked with me, and we we ran the business separately. I ran the Japan business. He ran the UK. But we work okay. really close together, almost like it's one, right? Okay. Almost as one business. Can I just ask and you? So, can I? Can I just ask? Oh, the reason I want to go back and ask you a question on that was how? What? What was it then that I mean, if Andy was a partner and you did it for three years, couple of years, why did he decide to kind of move out, which was quite early on in sort of the growth stage? Andy's, and if he's, I mean, it's funny because Andy and I had this conversation many years ago, but he's quite conservative, Andy. And he right. just felt, he just felt, it was the middle of 2003, you know, the markets weren't really, they were just, they came out in, in November 2003, it started to grow again, right? That's when mm -hmm. um, I think Warren Buffett invested in level three. I remember that moment clearly. Because when Warren Buffett starts buying into a sector, uh, it's a time to get into it, uh, back into it. Um, and it was kind of like in that piece where it was very, very dormant. And he's like, I don't believe we're going to do this. I don't believe him. I said, come on, Andy, come on, come on. Right. He said, no, let's go and look. So we had Paul come in and Paul made an offer and we said, listen. And I thought the chance to work with Paul was great. He sold his business um, three years previous for, for a ridiculous sum of money. Right, to so he already had the expertise then. Right. He okay. did it. Yeah, we brought, he came in, he had some expertise on that side. So he's a great business partner to have on the side. So we worked together. And like I said, I ran, I ran Japan and built that um, uh, up to 115 people. Wow. Uh, and Paul, Paul built his business. I think they had 150, 160 people That's by the time. And so the combined business had just under 300 uh, headcount. Um, and we, so we did that in, like, that was quite good growth because November 2003, uh, I think we were around about, you know, maybe 30 people, 20, 30 people. And we sold the business in February 2007. 
so that and we we'd grown it quite significantly Usually. um how did you go about that what, what were the main if you're looking back on that now what were the main things that you put in place to be able to get that from that sort of 20 to 30 up to 150 120 well, I mean, that's one, huge no, number one we decided um we decided that um that we were going to build to sell right that right. was the that was the aim right. number one so we just threw everything back in the business and we reinvested in Japan, I diversified away, away from fintech. I basically built it out into like eight different verticals, sales and marketing, finance tech, into finance tech, finance, sorry, software, um, uh, or should I say uh, tech in the software companies, you know, HR and all the like. So I built it out to make, basically look like, a, you know, like a, a Robert Waters, a Hayes, yeah. a, an Adeco, a Manpower, right? Yeah. Um, and, and Paul, what he did was he, he just focused on the finance tech and pharmaceutical. Because when you're in the more mature markets, it's important that you focus on a particular vertical or one or two verticals and make yourself really, uh, really, uh, um, uh, you know, viable, you know, in, the, in, the, in those particular markets. And both were, were very, very sexy propositions, right? A pharma, pharmaceutical life sciences and, you know, and tech finance technology, which was really starting to come into its own. And all permanent um, or did you have contracts no, as well? No, we, 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 both of us did a, did a lot of contract. We had about 50-50 in the end. Okay. In terms of our, yeah, okay. our split. And I did some RPO in Japan as well. So I had a, an RPO uh, business as well. So it kind of like, it just fit, uh, you know, we, we were building right basically to say, you know, if we have a company like a Randstad, which they did, uh, and, a, and a Hayes, which they did come mm. to us, then we wanted to make that business kind of look like their business. So it's very easy, sorry, for them to walk in and go, right, this, uh, and, and as Mark Brunning came in from Hayes, we looked at our business in Japan, he said, this looks like a Hayes office, right? This right. looks like, you know, like, right, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. tick, tick, tick. Right. Um, so, so we just we just had everything prepared. We just threw people. Paul, because he was going at a, at a at a particular rate in in London, it's, you know, a little bit more than me. Had a, a full time trainer there, right? And then I right. got off, I got off billing in two thousand and three, and just focused on management, right? Because I think you know, I, I and it was funny because at the time, Andrew, we had all of this business coming in from all these banks were opening up, and we'd been there for like two three years, and finally they're going okay. Yeah, we're going to start working with you. Um, so I just had to give all that away and just suck it up, sunshine. You know, become the third or fourth best earner in the company. That thing, and I was going down the ladder like this. Yeah. But it was all the money you put into your shares and the growth of that business, which yeah. which just made it go phenomenal. And, and I was lucky. You know, I think I think in, in the first time you start a business, it, most of it's down to luck. Is it just really you say that? Is it though? Is it down to luck? Because I I, well, I I mean, yes and no. You think it's you think it's luck, but I mean, if you look back on everything you put in place, it's yeah, not but all just think luck about though, it, is it? Yeah, but I say that for a couple of reasons. Number one, it is because you're making decisions not based upon experience, mm, mm, right? You true. know, you make, you make, you're making lucky decisions, right? Really, you are. Number two, it keeps you grounded because yeah. uh, when I came out of this game and I thought, oh, you know, I thought I'm a bit of a rock star, I had it handed to me in, in spades about how clever I really wasn't. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I think that's, that piece there was, was the, the, the ground. Because I look back on it now and go, yeah, actually, you know, working with Paul, that was quite lucky. Making the decisions to expand and go to Japan, well, that was quite lucky. Uh, and then, you know, and just throwing everything in the business. Well, you know, that, uh, Maybe yeah, it's your humble approach. Fortunate. I don't know. Other people probably say it was all very intentional. It was all rather strategic. <laughs> Maybe well, well, your outlook it, on it. It was, and it, and it worked out. And do you know the biggest thing we did was we had a, we had a beer uh, in 2006, Paul and me, and we were sitting there going, what do we do with this thing? Because we felt the market was quite toppy in tech, right, in the finance tech area. 
And we felt, well, we should go early just in case the market was to crash. We felt there was going to be something because we're working with a lot of finance people and there, there was a buzz around. Mm. You know, 2008 just didn't happen, right? Yeah. And a lot yeah. of people knew what was going on. Yeah. So we felt we'll sell early. Um, and then because um, Paul didn't make much on his first deal on the earnout, he right. sold he sold his business, which is just tech in Silicon Valley in March 2001. Right. right. Uh, sorry, March 2000. March 2000 when right. he sold his business. Right. April 2000 was the big crash. Hmm. So Henry, he, he basically, his earn out went because it was all in shares. Oh. So this time around was like, come on, Paul, let's go. And he said, and so he, the second time he did it, we, he maximized his earn out because he set it up. We took a little less to, to on the upfront, but he went boom on the earn out. We did okay in Japan, but because 2009 was the fell off a cliff moment, and though we were the second best performing country in Hayes, right, in terms of the drop-off, Germany beat us. Um, we're the second Damn those best Germans. Country. Uh, that is a good operator there, by the way. Um, they sure. basically, um, uh, it didn't make much money for us. So, you know, that's the way it goes. But you live and learn. And you take those lessons out and uh, take them on. So the I wanna, I'm going to ask a couple of things from there. So um, when you said there was a trainer in the UK, there wasn't someone – a trainer fit in Japan, were you pretty much doing the on-the-job training, putting succession planning in place? Like what was your kind of, when you were saying management, what did that really look like? Yeah, okay. Well, what I did do was I, I, I put layers of management in place. So I put, I put a, a, the best thing I did was I, I put a, a team of, of managers of managers and I just focused on training them and I got people in to advise and help them. I had some, some, uh, some very good uh, friends that would come in and help and, and, and train those guys. I think the biggest problem with, with, with a lot of recruitment businesses, they struggle to get beyond 50 people yeah. because yeah. they put a management team in place that just manages people yeah. and they don't, and they still want to control billing or they don't, you know, they've got to let go and they've got to let the managers build that layer above them of managers yeah. training, uh, managing yeah. managers. And that's the hardest piece. For and me. I think it's easier what? for players. I think it's easier for players like Walters and, um, um, Michael Page. Page because they are more team bonus pool because you've got a decent salary for a manager and then you're getting them to take a cut of the bonus pool. It, it, it encourages team growth as opposed to um, where it's commission, where sometimes it's hard for a, a billing manager to justify spending their time on the team when they could actually make money on individual. It's such a struggle. So that's why that, those players can really build out those businesses quite successfully. You're so right. And right. it's difficult to compete with that, but that's where an ESOP comes into play. If you've got an employee stock option program, right, you can basically, uh, you know, overcome that issue of, 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 you know, having that bonus pool and having that type of structure true. by, by getting, making them partners. Right. Yeah. And then, so what I do in my business is I, I, I give away a little more than probably most others would, but then I expect them to own it. Yeah. I expect them to take that problem away from me. Yeah. I'm not, this is not, this is not, a, 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 you know, it's, I said, it's an earn out, not a, not a, not a handout. Yeah. Right? And, <laughs> yeah. and you know, the, the, this is what the, the, you just put that mindset in and the ownership factor. You yeah. own this. I think yeah, it's starting to I happen. I know, yeah, I know I do a lot of yeah. work with Next Wave in Singapore and they, I know that they, that's kind of there for, I don't know if they're still doing it now, but in terms of giving people sort of equity in the business, because, you know, that's their kind of long, their sort of short term plan as well. So I think it's a really interesting concept. It certainly gets people accelerating their growth of building high performance teams you know, knowing that there's something at the end of that. So when you said before that you sold the business, you sold the business to Hayes, right? Yep. So yep. was there lots of other players kind of looking to 
to buy at that stage, or you kind of had your eye on the players like Hayes to come in and we we, we had a term sheet. We had a we had a term sheet from uh, from Randstad, um, but they were only interested in the Japanese business. They you know they weren't really interested in Paul's business in London. Right. Um, and and I felt I felt you know it it was it had a two year run out. You know the the numbers were less than than Hayes, to be honest. And um, you know I I felt I felt you know that that the better deal was Hayes. Uh, and um, and as, as as it turned out, it was um, so. You know, it it gave Hayes their their their, their jump into Japan because you know it's not an easy market to 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 get into. No. Um, it may be a bit, a bit easier now, okay, but still, it's quite difficult um, to 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 penetrate at you know at scale. And did you say, have to you know, stay in that business for a certain period of time to transition? Three years. Three years. Three years. How yeah. was that? How was those three years? Um, it's challenging, yeah. I think, for both sides. In you what know, way? It, 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 well, you know, you've kind of got a, a bunch of guys that um, that uh, uh, aren't quite happy that you've got a big load of wads of cash in the bank. And, uh, and <laughs> was it disclosed what wads of cash? Do you actually disclose it, or is it like really confidential? I'm really hopeless. Well, and stuff they like would at, at the top. At the top, they all knew. And it's like, and and it's that that piece. But also, I think that the way that they did You're things, I'm, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of like saying to them, don't you know, if you do that, if you bring over loads of foreigners, you're gonna you're gonna create this Michael Page. And Michael Page had a terrible business in Japan. I'm not sure how they're doing now, but they've been there since 1998 <laughs> and had 60 people. So bad. Yeah, but they did. They're kind of like, they just full, full, filled it full of foreigners who basically lived like an expat life and, no. and they never really grew it. Whereas no. I built it out with loads of Japanese. And I just said to the, the, to the guys, don't do the Michael Page thing. Yeah, 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 Bernie. Yeah, yeah, Bernie. I go away. What do they do? Do the Michael Page thing. And they, they, so that was their safety net. They thought that that, that, that would um... – well, why when, did when, they do that? What was the reason behind that? Because you and you, you think, crikey, whatever I touch turns to gold. You know, It doesn't work that way in a country that doesn't speak your language. That's why you buy – Businesses like us, because you're bringing the expertise. Not, but anyway, that's just the way it is. And listen, don't get me wrong. I, I love Hayes's business. Um, I think they should have moved. Up. They had an opportunity to move up in the market to be challenging Michael Page, and they didn't. They went backwards and went went back to their their, their blue collar roots. I think in 2008, 2009. Right. When when um, when. Uh, but anyway, I that chat with Alistair when he came up. And we went skiing together. I said you should go up market. And he's like, yeah, yeah. I think he really he wasn't really um, at, at that OFA was recruitment at this stage, but whatever. It's his business. He runs it the way he wants to. And did it feel did it feel hard saying goodbye to it after three years? You were kind of like, well, actually, no, I'm quite happy to move on now. Uh, no, to be honest, it it didn't feel hard at all. It's like, yes, great, but it, 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 the one thing people never tell you about running a business, right? They never mention it when you go away, and the first two weeks is like, yeah, great, great, and then after that, it's like, right, now what? What do I do? Yeah. Yeah, um, it was your identity, uh, I suppose, wasn't it? Yeah, for so no, long. no emails, no, no one's calling me. No oh, one's got a problem. Did you feel not very loved? Did you didn't feel very special you, for a you bit? Do, you, you kind of like, you've, but it's kind of like you're with a big family that rely upon you, and you don't realise at the time you're quite stressed and you think, oh my god, I can't wait. But yeah. you do miss it, right? You, it's yeah, like, of It's kind of like you know, like being locked down, right? Suddenly, yeah. like you don't have all your people around you. It's like. WTF, but imagine lockdown and no one phoning you, no emails, yeah. nothing. You have to like send them an email. How are you going? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? it would be pretty depressing, wouldn't it? Bad. Anyway, yeah. that's why. But listen, having all that money does kind of make it a little bit easier. And so, were you quite uh, when you, you, you let, had that money? What, you have to let what, them go. So, when you said goodbye, and I've got <laughs> looked at your LinkedIn, and you and 
I see that you bought a, you sold, you, you set up a, a ski chalet business in Japan, yeah. which yeah, was a bit be. random. Like, you need to talk me no. through that. Like, is that just, you know, you just wanted a holiday and thought, you know, I'll just buy the place, God damn it. You know, no, I've got some money no, in the I, bank. I, like, I, what was your thoughts? Listen, listen, the rock star, rock star Bernie, just flush with cash. Thought he was the cleverest person in the world. You know, walked out and said, okay, right. I mean, I, I, there was some land up in Hackabers right on the slopes. And oh. uh, I thought, you know, I'll just, I'll just build, a, build a couple of nice houses and, and I'll live off the rental from those, you know, because you want to get, you want to get some annuity, right? You want to get yeah. something to go with mm. all that money. So of course I didn't half-ass it. I just built these things that were, that were ridiculous. Um, they were really, and and they were. Uh, if I had to put them in this echo, it would have been right. But they they were the flashiest places in Hackover by far. Right. And uh, you just didn't have that clientele going up there. Um, so, um, it, and I, you know, I didn't. I sold that business, but it wasn't a profitable sale. Right. I'm kind of like one and one, right? And right, right now, so like the first one was really good. The second one, well, you know, did I make money on it? Probably not. Right. Um, but it was, yeah, it was, it was something. I wanted to do something different, um, and it was different. That was um, really different. I gather I, you're a good skier. Then is that why you chose uh, to do? I'm okay. I mean, crikey, it's like you know, I spent all the time building the houses, didn't I? Was, if you want to check it out, onechalets.com. That's the houses that uh, that that I built. The guy that bought it, I don't think he's done a very good job with the, with the photographs. But uh, but anyway, you can have a look and uh, I will. check it out. So but, you, set, uh, you sold the business and you set up Vincere. What was the trigger for you not to go back to recruitment? You know, you, that's kind of most of your career you do your, your recruitment. I know, I know before we started recording, you were doing other things. Um, but what was the reason for setting up Vincere? It's such a different... Well, again, route. again, I think I, I did at the same time I was doing uh, doing the the houses right, and I was still in that superstar. I'm a I'm a you know master of the universe Bernie stage right, and I felt how hard can this be right? So you know a tech company, come on, I mean crikey, I'll just throw <laughs> throw a hundred thousand dollars at that and uh, and I'll build something and and you know I'll take on the likes. So, well, I didn't focus on the agency side first. We focused on the corporate side. Oh, okay. You know, of course, that was really clever. I, no real experience in this side, so yeah. that's why I focus on that. Um, so, so, I, so that hundred thousand quickly became two million, quickly became three million. We got investment from a from a large Japanese uh, firm, and uh, they put in five million. And then, then that wow. my three million became four million, and then now it's up to like six or seven million. Uh, and 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 you know we've had about fourteen million dollars investment. So wow, uh, yeah, it, it just it's it started off crazy because I, I focused on corporate. And uh, and we got that going in Asia. We had about ninety five people. We were going great guns. But when you get in the corporate stage, it's it's you know there's not a need for this. Certainly not in Asia. Um, and Asia is very different in terms of the way that they procure software. Okay, in many countries um, like Indonesia, Malaysia, Vietnam, Thailand, etc., they procure software through partners, right? right? Uh, because those partners can help uh, you know pave that street of gold per se right. if you get what i'm saying it's not yeah. it's not a very open and shut case yeah. so um that also uh, we ran out of cash in 2015 our investors said listen you got three products here focus on one of them please um and so we chose the uh, i use this analogy all the time and you chose a little redhead in the corner that was getting no love uh <laughs> called staffing boss um she was like she she was like sitting over there. No one was really giving any attention. We had thirty customers, ten were using them, um, and that little redhead turned into Nicole Kidman. 
uh, which Ooh, has been cherry today. Yeah, hoddy. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, so that was the story, really. I think think the early days were, you know, because I was. I think the biggest mistake I made was I was just too busy, too no focus, trying to trying to run you know three chalets in in in, in Japan, mm. as well as starting up a tech business with three products. I mean, there's. But- you know, many different words for that, moron, that's, that's, stupid. It's just, I don't you know, know you though. I, think, I, I, I actually hear that quite a lot, though. I mean, I, I know even from my own business, I think you try and hedge your bets, if anything, to a number of areas. And then there's, there is a point, though, that where you do have to decide which way to go, or otherwise you're not really an expert in any, right? So, but I think yeah. early days, it's advisable to kind of see what you're doing. But then obviously, you obviously found that it wasn't working. So then did you just decide, so you said no to sort of the corporate then what made you decide then, did you have to sort of tweak it to be specifically for agency recruitment? Like what was that sort of period of time? Well, How did we that had sep- separated out the product. So I had three different dev teams. So, uh, and you think about the cost of that, three different sales teams, three different websites, yeah. three different, uh, you know, that wasn't very clever. I think that, you know, my advice to people is do one, get that profitable and then yeah. do the next one on then top of it and the next one on yeah. top of it. You know, that's that. So, um, you know, that's what we were doing. And I think that was the issue. Um, just not lack of focus. Um, and, uh, so when we focused on one, um, you know, we've taken 2016, we pivoted and we just focused purely on, on Vincere. And we, like I said, we had about 30, 40 customers, not many using it. Now we've got just under 1500 customers. Wow. And what's the split of that across Asia to Europe? Like what's the split of that? Well, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I think, uh, about 50% in Europe. Um, and we've got about 10% in, um, in or 8% in the US and the rest Asia pack, right. uh, including Australia. Where's your priorities then in terms of trying to grow out? Is it more Asia or just because you're out this way or it doesn't, isn't, there's no sort of, it's just global? And no, well, we need to be clever about that. It's a great question because, um, you know, you don't, you, you, we're everything ex-US at the moment, right? The US needs its own love. It needs a a tanker of love that we don't have right now to give. America so, in general, quite frankly. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's, 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 it's a world unto itself and we'll, yeah. we'll get to that. But we're doing Australia, we're building out the pain bill piece in Australia and the UK first, then we'll do New Zealand and outlying countries, and then we'll hit the US. Um, so, but, the, you know, we, we just need to be very deliberate about our focus now and look at, and the most important things, look after your customers. Because I know everyone says that, and it's so boring, isn't it, Andrea? Oh, yeah, no, it's customers, not. Customers, They're the most one. important thing. But they it, pay the bills. They do. And, and not only that, um, it's also, you know, give them, you know, give them the love because there's more revenue from them in future as well. Yeah, yeah. Right? They're out yeah. spending a fortune on other, other pieces. If you can fill some of the gaps there and give them a more seamless experience, yeah. they'll pay you. Yeah. And I think, you know, we're not trying to be everything to everyone, but there's certain yeah. facets, I think, inside of a system that should be, part of the core product i think you're quite unique though and i know am i allowed to say eloise is your wife and business partner am i allowed to say that Mm -hmm. (laughs) i've said it now what i found i mean i I think she does more the social media stuff than you right from what i see maybe well she she loves it right but she's she's really good at it like she is really good at it and i think there's a part of what i've found really interesting even before you guys and i'm I'm not trying to be biased here because you pay for my podcast but um I think that her approach to selling the brand is really fresh and kind of very down to earth and a bit cheeky and a bit and I and I find that really refreshing than this kind of stale techie firm that's just constantly pushing a product it's just more natural it's more approachable um 
and I think that really works for me just as a I mean I you I have your I have your database I have it and and I think just in terms of how she goes to market with her team and I just think it's a really different approach and maybe that's kind of the future of I mean I'm, I'm keen to get your take on that I mean how have you positioned that in a way to reach your clients that they because they're that type of personality as well coaching provides a space for professionals to take time to hit the pause button reassess make decisions commit to new action and move forward with clarity to enjoy a 10% discount on our coaching programs reach out and quote the word talent talent talk asia is brought to you in partnership with vincere the all-in-one crm for ambitious recruitment businesses visit vincere.io forward slash talent talk asia for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast I think, I think we're, we, we've made a deliberate effort to be fresh and to be different. Um, and I think that, you know, the, the market stayed, right? Really, it is. People are more, I think all of us have kind of fallen into it. If you look at like, you know, look at Art, Pappas and Bullhorn, they set out to compete with Salesforce. They, when they raised funds from GE, they raised $4 million from GE. That was to compete with Salesforce in the early days. Yeah. Recruitment was just like, oh, someone say, help me build this product. They did. Job Adder and Brett. You know, they were building a job board aggregator and they kind of like fell into building a CRM. And we had a different experience kind of like them in a way because we were setting out to do all one and then we decided, okay, let's just focus on one. So we all have come into it. But when we've come into it, we've come into them from a successful recruitment background and we've been very deliberate about hiring recruiters right. uh, into our business right. so that we have that DNA running through our blood. Yeah, yeah. So, that, so when you speak sense. to us and we, even, even when, you know, even – when the recruiters are giving us the nastiest, hardest day in the world and we're sitting there going, oh, my God, you know, you're chugging through your second bottle of wine at night trying, trying to, you know, calm the nerves. You still have that understanding of what they're going through. You still have yeah. that understanding of the pain points they're going through and how important. Yeah. And I've had days when I was running my business where I didn't, didn't have a system. It was down. Yeah, and they secure. wouldn't answer my calls. And it's like, oh, yeah. you know. 80 people 90 people sat there doing nothing yeah i remember those we've had days like that when we were at robert waters we had profile i remember i remember days literally where you had to sort of look at your notebook and see if you had their phone numbers i mean it was really shocking when i look back on that now and think yeah you said you roll it right just in case it's crazy it's a bit of a dust day it was quite nice but you know the fact that those that sort of exists or even just trying to use a system from home i remember trying to log in when i just had um just gone on maternity i mean you just couldn't even log on. I mean, it was like, wheels turning. I mean, it's embarrassing now. I look back. I'm sure it's probably got better now. But yeah, I think coming from your background, you know that how important it is to be able to, everything's got to work seamlessly and functionality, I suppose. How did you go? How was that from a functionality perspective in terms of when you first started and how you continue now to kind of tweak? I think, I think it's a progression, right, of, of like of being able to take feedback. Andrew, you, you know, you have to learn how to take feedback again. You come mm. from running your own business, you're a rock star, three secretaries do everything for you. Yeah. Come into to tech, you build something and everyone says, that's complete and utter shite. I'm yeah. sorry, there's no other word yeah. for it. What are you doing? You're like, what do you mean? You know, you know who, who do you think you are? Uh, you think after a while, once you break that down and, and start taking feedback and, and listening and, and, uh, and, then, and then really giving a shit, um, that's when you start really making an effort. And, so, and because, you know, I think that the core system, you know, you talk about automation, we talk about all that later, but the core system of record, it, you know, it has to have the features, but it has to be usable. 
you know, so there's always, there's always, a, you know, a catch between, you know, our, you know, customers always said to me, they want the features, but actually that's not true. They want usability first. Yeah. And that's what it is. We've got all the features. We're, you know, one of the big things we're focused on now is just usability. Because we can tick most of the boxes on the features. We can outbid, you know, a, a, a bullhorn in a way on features, but now we've got to beat them on, on beat them all on usability. So that all that comes from customers and listening to them. Uh, and getting and over yourself as an individual. And how do you still get involved in that? You and Eloise, do you get involved in that in terms of regular discussions to ensure you're getting that feedback? Or is there some, you know, what's the process around collecting feedback? Uh, NPS score comes to my phone. So I get an NPS and customers. And those guys that, uh, that, that, that our customers that give us the feedback generally get a phone call. Um, and, and a lot of it, a lot of it actually we know. Um, it's just reinforcing it. Right. Um, uh, you know, we, we I have I, I have discussions with, with with some core customers that I work with, early early adopters that I'm still in touch with. We I talk on a regular basis with them, uh, and a lot of feedback through uh, through CS. So we our CS team is targeted on customer. So what's oh customer service, right? Yeah. Sorry, I haven't had my second coffee today. Yeah, that's same. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so I mean, it's it's just it's just about trying trying to. I know I focus on the product, by the way. So I'm the product guy. You're the product Uh, man. Yeah, I'm the product man, and uh, Eloise is the is the salesperson, right? So. So I want to ask two things on that with the product side. No, what was the question I wanted to ask? when you said about the usability, do you find with some organizations that when it's put in, there isn't necessarily the training that puts into how does, you know, you put a system in, what's that next step for a recruitment firm when you, when they, when you sold a CRM system in, do you have like training courses that you put them on over a certain yeah, period yeah, of we, time? We, like we, how we, does that get we, embedded? We have an entire team that just dedicated to onboarding. Uh, and because the, the, the hardest part of changing system, it doesn't matter what system you go to. The first three to six months is going to be critical for you. Yes. And if you've gone through the process of changing systems, you've got to understand that they might do things differently to the yeah. system you're from. And what we find is generally it's that it's that I don't want to change. I don't want to change. I want or build my system to work to, work, to match my workflow. Those mm. days are gone. Yeah. Right. That no, if you want to do that, you're going to go to Salesforce, and the Salesforce guy is going to say yes, and then you're going to go to the Salesforce person's roll it out, and they're going to go but. Right. And you're going to go, yeah. what, what do you mean? But he said, yes. Yeah. But yeah, you know, Actually, we worked I, with Salesforce for three years. I That's got that feedback just recently from a client I did training with. And we talked about Salesforce and they were just like, we hate it. We absolutely hate it. <laughs> yeah, I but, need to tell you which company thing. it is so that you can make, no, give them a call. <laughs> they spend so much oh. money in it. This is the problem. I've spent it. I've, I've got, I'm stuck with it now. And that's the problem. What a shame. Like, Isn't that a shame? Yeah, because it's the most it, important it thing a recruiter needs. Yeah. yeah. But that, but they, but that, we're suckers for salespeople. You know, we're still, as recruiters, we're still like, yeah, I'm going to believe that guy. And the worst person you believe is a software salesperson. Make sure whatever <laughs> they say is in the contract. I'm telling you, do right. it. We'll do it. I'll make sure because I have to roll you out. I want to see it in the contract, please. Yeah. If you promised something, we've got to deliver it. And but you don't get that, you know. So I think that's, um, but you know, that's that's part of really one of the, the hard parts of. Uh, do you also do. find that there's a resistance from some firms of not wanting to even use the database? And um, you know, as much as the leaders want to make sure that they have it, but actually embedding it to that little rogue lone wolf recruiter that doesn't want to. How do you sort of? Is there the kind of the behavioural change for for people yeah, to yeah. say? But yeah. you know what? That's not that's not just their responsibility. 
Andrew, that's our responsibility to make them use it. To, you know, so you want to put in good analytics into the product. Mm. You know, that's a great way by, by putting analytics in there because it makes them go, oh, oh, why, why is that wrong? Why is that wrong? Your data is, no one's using it. What, what do you mean? Well, they're not using it properly. What, oh, 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 okay, boom, I've got them, right? Attention, CEO, right, you use it because the analytics are big. So we've got to look at ways and means to get people using it. Also, we have like many updates coming out. One of the challenges we have is to make sure that those updates are sent to the relevant people. Because, yeah, that's a really good point. You know what I mean? That's a really you good know, point. It, so it's our responsibility as much as it is the client's responsibility to get them to use it properly. Are there certain parts of the system, part of the CRM, where they always get overlooked, so people don't see the functionality and don't use it? Is there a co kind of common themes that tend to come up? Yeah, they're, they're, um um, are there? No, it really depends upon customer from what systems they come from. So if they come from a particular system, like a, like a uh, if they come from a microdeck background, they might have different problems if they come from a bullhorn. We find that people coming from a bullhorn generally find it much easier to use our system, right? Because they've gone through the whole SaaS thing. Right. They understand it. It's 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 configuration, not customization. Those people come from a, from an old system where they could customize the hell out of it, yes. and then wonder why can't I get any updates. Yeah. Oh, no, you're never getting updates well, yeah. because you've got your own your own set of code and yeah. it's impos impossible for them yeah. to update that. Now those we often find that that's how you you know the, the difference between people's the systems they come from and, and what they've got used to. What which do, is fair enough. It's just another challenge. What do you what is what do you see that you need you're working on to develop when you say updates? What do those things look like right now? For you know, if there's someone listening that's thinking of changing, let me ask the question differently. I'm not following any of my questions, by the way. I apologise now. <laughs> because um, I'm actually really interested in this topic. I love database. I was one of those MDs that I was an absolute bitch when it came to, if anyone didn't put it on the database, it was the whole, it's not on the database, it didn't happen. I just, I just, I think it's so much easier to, for, to run, to just understand what's going on in the team, but also to help the team if, if we, you know, you can see earlier on whether there's going to be problems existing within their portfolio. So, um, and I, I suppose the Robert Walters way is that if people leave, you know, that people don't tend to like to leave a database that's really strong and you build from that. So for us, it was kind of our, one of our major, major selling points. So now I can't remember the question I was going to ask. Um, what, what do we see? What, what, what's coming, basically? Yeah, what's, what's coming, coming with the system in terms of what new things we're going to... Are you excited about that you're adding to that or tweaking or developing? Well, for the I'm just sitting here really calmly, but I'm actually jumping out of my skin. Oh. Um, <laughs> well, you really you do know, keep it's, it together. It's, 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 <laughs> no, number, number, well, I'm a product guy, right? You know, I mean, there's, there's not much excitement in our life, really. I sit there and have a conversation with Eloise, and I, you know, that's why that's why she has to drink, right? Because she has to get through conversations with me. That's on why product. marketing posts uh, yeah, always, right. you know, always really go, interesting. Some Here's some prosecco, love. You know, I'll just keep talking. <laughs> um, it's essentially, uh, it's 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 you know, it's around the middle and back office piece um, that we've got. We've got we're just nailing that now. And we've got customers using that, that, uh, that there's pieces that are just missing if we just have, and we're just going to nail that now. So we just got the team really focused on that to get that out next month. Um, we're going to put in payroll. No, before you go back um, to that, when you said middle and back office, what do you mean by that? Uh, middle and back office is where your timesheets, um, your, your shift scheduler, so everything like around the temp contractors contract. and stuff like that. Temp and contract. So temp being able to do, you know, the, the hourly, the hourly pays 40 yeah. of those guys a day. You know um, that type of thing, really doing you know high volume uh, temp and and putting a scheduler in place that then links out to the the time sheeting through shifts and allows people to accept shifts and reject shifts and uh, and do all that and automate that piece. 
The wow. middle and back office is, oh, that is, saves is one. so much time and headcount. You could also uh, yeah. save headcount, right? It, in terms it, of because absolutely to run it, sort of the contract does. book is always so hard from an administrative perspective in terms of managing all of that. Okay. Yeah, that that's a work in motion. I think we've got you know a few months before we we and then and then a few months after that of polishing it. We're pretty much there now. It's been four years in the making. Wow. Um, so uh, the other pieces we've got, we've got uh, a new website suite, which is a bit like a volcanic, where we just built it in uh, so you can do your own CMS and whatever. So that's being rolled out to, to a bunch of small customers now. So we're going to be releasing that out to, to existing customers. But what's in involved July. in that? What's involved in that? Well, it's a proper CMS, blogs, everything, your, your whole entire website with candidate portal, job portal, and uh, uh, client, port, uh, client portal. So we're, you know, and we've updated it. We've got an existing version called Engage, right? And that's just your, your, your portals, but this is a full web suite. So it's basically your entire website. You can log in and you can build your own. You give it to your designer, they can build it. And Wow, and, that's uh, really yeah. different. But that's very different yeah. than your core offering. We spent, exactly. We spent, uh, we spent, that's not even out yet. So that's uh, something that's coming out in July. What made you um, decide have... to do that? What made you? Do... I love that you're trying to rush me on this. It's just, it's funny. You're, you're really downplaying all these things. So Eloise is yeah, probably well... going, slow down, slow down. I want you to tell me a little bit more about that. What, yeah, what made you decide uh, that... to do that? That seems so well, different. Well, it, 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 number one, it's not difficult, right? I think a lot of people are selling snake oil to the recruiters. Websites are not hard. No. Do them in Laravel, P, uh, PHP. But they're they not difficult. It just takes time. Yeah, we've taken 18 months to build the entire thing from scratch, right? And now we're just polishing over the next two to three months with six main customers, large and small, um, but people will get on and we'll just polish it with them and make sure that we can make the usability super easy. Um, yeah, but it's got enhancements over the, the existing uh, platform because there's a lot more around compliance, a lot more around document signing and and, uh, and, and serving, you know, timesheets and invoices right, to customers, right. those types of things. Really value-add stuff, Right. So that we wanted to do it properly, and 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 I felt that the existing providers you had a GDPR issue because they're holding data on two two uh, two oh, different separate databases. Yes, Ours yes, doesn't yes, do yes, that; yes. it's all synced into the system. You know, it gives it gives all the features the other guys get, and we don't need to charge silly money for it. So we can either give you the platform for less, you go away, you build it, and we'll support your web designer, or we'll do it for you. We prefer the the former though. So you know, make it cheap, make it available. And just give people the ability to, you know, it's part. It's a super important part of your business, right? Is your website. And what's that going so to be called? To you said it was engaged. What's digital. it going to be called? Digital. So Vincherry Digital. Yeah. So it's more. Yeah. It's all focused on marketing. The SEO components are all Very built in. Very smart. Uh, yeah. It's Very really cool. Um, the other two things, um, uh, which I'll, I'll try and get in, try and plug these. Uh, <laughs> one is one is video interviewing. Right. Um, hey. So we've got our own video interviewing platform that that uh, that we're working on now. Um, it's not it's not as 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 great as some as, as, as not as deep as some of the other ones, but it does you know ninety percent of what people really want. I got a few clients that use that actually for they use it as a spec CV um, function. Yeah, they send yeah. it to clients. Yeah. That's right. So we 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 have that as we call it um, you know, the um, introduction interviews, which yeah. which is just asynchronous. And also outreach, so you can do outreach to customers and uh, upload it onto uh, onto LinkedIn, etc. I love um, it. I'd be interested to see how that works, just because there's always I find there's always a bit of resistance in Asia sometimes with videos. If I give a choice to my clients, video or audio, they'll always go for audio. It's like that nervousness around anything to do with video. But I think the youngsters really like it, right? Well, we can do video or audio on this, so it's, okay. it's up to you, right? So you can do both. Um, it's it, you know, um, the final piece is automation. We've got a big platform 
coming out where you can automate things. And I'm not just talking about automating email uh, and, and, and having marketing journeys. Um, we're talking about, you know, data cleansing. Uh, we're talking about linking with other systems so, so that you can, you can talk to a Google spreadsheet. So if you add, you know, a name to a spreadsheet, it can automatically fi uh, filter into your system. Um, it's, got, it's got many different connectors to, to other systems uh, um, that you can, you can connect up. Um, and uh, it's it's a it's a full automation suite that we're putting in. Wow! So you've been um, quite busy then. You've you know you've yeah. That's that's why I'm so excited by that. But that's it's kind of, it's funny, Andrew, because you think to yourself like I'll, I'll do that first. But if you do everything else first, right? Yeah. Like we've got Vinny Chat, which is put in, which is you know, which people don't think. I think the Vinny Chat piece, which is Slack, right, um, is probably the most important component because everything will talk to that. Right. So if if you wanted to, if you want to know if a can has been added from that Google Sheet to database, you can have it set up as a, a ping you in, in, in Vinny Chat on your mobile phone. Ding, oh, that's good. You know, if that's what you want. Very right. Or you nice. can turn it off. So that's the whole piece of what we, we've got coming in the next uh, four to five that months. That is really exciting. Well done, you guys. That's that's amazing. Well, what, touch um, well, we've, got to, we've got to do it yet. I so mean, we've got to get it out. I have no doubt in <laughs> my every, mind that you So many people talk about, in tech, talk about, uh, yeah, this is what's coming. Uh, kind of like, yeah, well, I'll yeah, just do a part two. I'll do a part two, then I'll see whether yeah, okay. it was actually yeah, hold, hold me to it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll hold you to those goals. Okay, so right. Were you, were you always into kind of the tech side or the product innovation, or, or, or is it just more the entrepreneurial kind of background from yourself or talents, do you think? Where's that kind of come from? Well, I did tech recruitment, and I think that's the worst thing you can do because you kind of think, you know, I know the buzzwords. I know that uh, <laughs> the Java and J2EE and, and struts, you know, I, 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 how hard is it to build a, build a system? Yeah. Um, you know, that was that was probably where it came from. No, I've not been uh, at that good at tech. I'm actually pretty terrible at tech. So what is you. it then that's got you to be able to sell a few businesses? And I know that you, you, I know you're going to say, well, they're not all successful or they're not all paid loads of money, but... You've, there's a history here, right, with your background and that you've grown something, sold it, moved on, and they're not always in the same area. So, and this obviously with Vincere, this is a long-term thing. You've been doing it. When did you set up Vincere? Uh, 2012, but Vincere, it, the product has been going since 2016. So right, right. The last, the last four years between then. Anyway, so, so what is it then? That, I mean, that takes obviously a lot of kind of grit to kind of, you know, go through that and probably pick yourself up when things don't go right. So where does that come from, from yourself, do you think? Where has that perseverance originated from? I don't know. I don't, I really don't know. Um, I don't see it as, I don't see it as, as any special, um, anything special, to be honest with you. I think anyone can do it. You just got it. You know, the thing is, right, too many people listen to too many other people, you know, and, <laughs> They do. They kind of like they limit themselves in their mind, but by by what they hear from other people. Like someone says you can't do that. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you know, must have strong. You, you must have a lot of confidence in yourself that you that you're going to make it work, though, because otherwise you wouldn't necessarily go out and venture into different um, areas within your business, right? You might just stick to one. So you you are taking risks in certain areas, right? You're putting think, your time in one, different things. Just persevere. Just don't give up. You know what I mean? Don't give up. But if you Even did give up, and what, how would that feel for you if one of these didn't work, one of these failed? What, what, how, what well, would be I mean, okay, it, it, only one, one would only fail if, if, if there was something else that I was focused on. So why One Chalets didn't blossom, in my opinion, was because I was focused on this business. Um, and I think, I think that's what you've got to say. You've got to also, there's an old saying, winners never win. Uh, sorry, 
winners never quit and quitters never win. But there's another saying to that, which is winners never win if winners never quit. So you've got to know mm-hmm. when, you know, what you need to focus on. You need to say to yourself, right, you know, what do I give my time to? And I think these, this word entrepreneur um, is dangerous because people think that, you know, well, I can do multiple things at once and do them well. And mm-hmm. some people can. Mm-hmm. You know, and Elon Musk can, but really he's not really. He bought the companies. He I've didn't start yet, SpaceX. He? <laughs> he didn't start, you know, Tesla. He basically bought into them and had a team yeah. already there, right? So it's yeah. a bit different if you're building it and starting it all yourself, yeah. right? I just don't think you have the time to do it. And generally, well, I don't. Maybe there's there's other people out there that's clearly a lot more clever and uh, and 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 have much more ability than I do. So just for me, I just think I just need to be focused mm. and don't give up. Don't give up. You know, stick with your guns. If you feel you're getting traction or you feel every time I lose, I don't lose the lesson. So right. every single time, if I we lose a deal, sit down and understand why we lost that deal. Yeah. And then what can we do from a product, from a sales, from a from a, a yeah. you know a marketing perspective that we can overcome that. Yeah. Uh, I, I say to my team, everything in our business is an objection and a rebuttal. Everything. It's down to the, you know, even down to the product. What's the objection? What's the rebuttal? Right? The whole thing is yeah. like is is in it, then that's the way I run things. And what do you learn from it? I think if you don't if you don't actually sit and analyze those failures, well it's a bit like when you said before about feedback. If you don't collect that as hard as it might be, as hard as it is it is when you fail something you don't learn anything. You don't change stuff. You don't think, okay, I might tweak that a little bit, or maybe actually we do need to change in certain areas. You're never going to know that. It's never going to get better, right? No, no, no. Bravery I, I think to well, it, I think. Yeah, I think as well. Don't allow an echo chamber around you from when you get successful. Yeah. You know, the, you know that that's a big problem with uh, you know a lot of people who have been successful, whether it be um, whether they be in business, whether they be in in sports. They allow people to tell them they're amazing, and it allows them to become idiots, right? They start or the other way, where as... you're listen- people are telling that person that um, oh, I don't think that's going to work, or why are you doing that? I mean, I, I I just recently set up Women in Recruitment Asia, which launches in July, um, and which you guys are a, a business members of, so it's written th- business partners. So thank you for supporting that as well. And you know, it was interesting when I, I mean, it's not launching until June. Sorry, it's not launching until June. But I had someone, it was a guy, and said, oh, why, you know, why are you setting that up for? I mean, surely everyone's already done that before. Why would you do that? And I always just find that really interesting when someone says that to me, because actually it does the complete opposite for me. It makes me, it pushes me even harder, because like, if I'm passionate about something, I know there's a reason why I've put my name on it. There's a reason why I want to fight for it, um, because I, I've, already, I've already thought through exactly what impact it has. Um, and then when someone kind of, na- it's the naysayers, they're, if there's someone sort of, why would you do that? I try and think, well, why not though? <laughs> that's why yeah, you're sitting yeah. there and that's why I'm but sitting here, right? Exactly. But they're not seeing what you see. And yeah, I think, I think you're right. They don't always, see what I it, see. Yeah. Yeah. I think you've got to say, you've got to say to yourself and back yourself and say, you're not seeing what I see. And hey, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Absolutely. It doesn't mean that I have to agree with it or even listen to it, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I do have a thing internally, though. I mean, it's all about who. It's not about who's right. It's about what's right, you know. And, yeah. and I've asked people to bring their bring their, their a game to the table. If you want to win an argument here, you come in and you say why, um, which I'm always willing to listen to. But to be honest with you, you know, sometimes it's better just to have your blinkers on and just move forward. I love the idea, you know. I think uh, you know, uh, women in business in general, right, um, are unrepresented. And I think in tech, it's you know, I'm finding that. A lot of our good hires now are female. 
right? Um, and and uh, my previous business had a, had a high complement of females. My second in command was was uh, was a woman. Yeah. You know, so um, you know, well, I think I think it's a great cause. Yeah, I I, absolutely. Of- I mean, mine isn't always just about leadership positions. It isn't that the right path is for a woman to be a leader. That it, it, it isn't even that. Um, I think that's one part of it. But there actually is a very. I feel there's just a real lack of. Um, community amongst recruiters in Asia and I think one area is that women can get together and actually um, inspire each other and just raise the bar within the recruitment industry so that if it means they're they are more effective more productive running a desk or just mentoring someone or being able to go out to clients and hold their own and feel they and, and really kind of honing in on what they're great at then that's the forum for them it isn't always just about creating a group for women to be leaders um and i think that is still something massive in asia if i look at most of my clients a lot of them are white men um and and so it stops at kind of ad level so there's obviously a problem there um and so i think i think i think there's something in it i think uh, we see how the next few months go but i think just going back to that whole um staying true to yourself and pushing th- pushing through i'm keen to sort of look at the future for i mean we've talked about kind of your new areas what what else are you kind of excited about in the next sort of few months? I mean, what's what's kind of on your biggest priority other than those four things right now? Um, oh, goodness me, I, sp- I suppose it's 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 building out the management team, management structure, right? Um, and ensuring I get the same level of I've got a group of managers of people now, um, and managers of managers. Right. So I need to build them out and get them focused and and ensure that really, I mean. What I try to do is I try to say that if, if the car, if we got hit by a car tomorrow, the business carry on. Yeah, that's really that's healthy. What I want. That's really yeah. healthy. You think you're not yeah, quite there yet or? Uh, yeah, I'm getting there. I'm kind of like I'm probably about four to six months off that. Okay, that's um, really uh, impressive. Which, yeah, so I think that's where you want to get to. You want to go where, you know, where you'll have to find things to do. Yeah. That's where, and, and that's where, once you unshackle yourself, that's when you can take it to the next stage. Yeah. And I'm not there yet. So I feel that the team need more time, more coaching. Um, you know, I'm encouraging them to get coaching of their own, yeah. um, to, to, to find mentors of their own, um, to, to, uh, to you know, rather than just hear the, 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 the same Bernie voice. Yeah, it could be internal yeah. and external, right? It can be, Correct. you know, like a, a, buddy, yeah. a buddy system of someone in a different department. I mean, it's something I forgot to ask you. You guys are set an office in Ibiza, for God's sake. Like, what taught me through that when that post came out? I think, every, and I think everyone was in lockdown when we got that post. It was like, really? Seriously? Yeah, what was the motivation between, what was the motivation for setting an office up in Ibiza, please? Why not? Oh, you That's right. No one gives me an argument Absolutely. to say, why shouldn't you? You know, it's like, it's like, why shouldn't you? It's like, yeah, but it looks like, who cares? <laughs> yeah, Ibiza. We we've lived there many years, um, and uh, it's it's not. Uh, you know, yes, there's one side of it, San Ant side of it. Oh is, no, is I love Ibiza. Of, Honestly, I, I love yeah, it. I don't but, see it just as the party not? place. I mean, beautiful place. It, it, it's it's like um, you know. One thing I would say is that when you do look at like um, Saigon, for example, there's a lot of expat kids coming back here, right? Coming back from the US, educated abroad, right. or kids that you know had moved away, families are coming back here, and we're just piling a lot of those guys coming in, Aussies and and Americans, right? We get that. I think that's the same thing. We've got a lot of families now, uh, kids going away, coming back. What can they do? You know, they're highly educated, they're they're they're, they're clever. You know, they live on the island, so they're not they're not you know, thinking about partying all the time. No, just, I don't want to work in a know, bar or something like that. That's correct, kind of in their exactly. younger so days. So where's their career un, there's an professional? Untapped, yeah, 
Hello, there's an untapped group of people there we can Gosh, take. I never, I never realised that at all, to be honest. Yeah. I really didn't. So, so I think, I think we, we see opportunity in a lot of places where people don't. Um, and I think that's, uh, that's just, and you get them much cheaper as well, right? Think about it. You know, you want to live in Ibiza. It actually is expensive for property, but actually if you get a long-term rental, it's not that bad and it's cheap. Yeah, it's not as cheap like living in Barcelona, but we don't have all the headache of Barcelona either. Yeah. You know, uh, don't have the hustle and bustle, uh, don't have the, you know, and it might be a little bit difficult to get to at times, right? Maybe around Christmas time. That's but a sacrifice really, you're going to make. In summer, in summer you're, you're like make. two hour flight to anywhere in Europe, right? Yeah, exactly. So, and is there any other kind it, yeah. of destinations you've got your eye on to grow the business out? Um, is there destinations? Yes, we are looking at the US. Um, so we're considering somewhere east coast or south, um, uh, you know, to, to put an office. Um, and that will happen this year. And we will do it properly. Um, we have been thinking and talking about it for years now. But you know, so we're, we're in, we'll be in conversations with uh, with um, large firms in the US to, to to help us take us to that next step. Really um, exciting. Of, of private equity and and uh, and really move on and 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 take the market then. But we've got to get, like I said, we've got to get all those pieces in in in, in place first. Next four months, four or five months. Before well, we do that. good luck with it. Now we always finish our podcast with a quick fire round. So I think I've only got one quick quick one for you today so what's the one biggest objection that pops up from recruitment leaders when it comes to purchasing a new crm and how do you respond uh great question um that would be around i think i've kind of touched on this before would be around what they've been using the processes they've been using in the past people get very married to something (laughs) and it's almost you do you kind of you say i cross the road by normally crossing an overpass what yeah. do you mean i've got to cross straight across the road on a, on a pedestrian crossing yeah so what we try to do is like so i get you you know i mean it, it's a common thing that people when they change systems we only do it this way well but you what you want is do you want to get to the same goal right this is the way we do it and actually it's faster and it's just doing that in a non-condescending and and yeah. and and um and you know step-by-step way and understanding that the change is a gradual process. You're not going to change someone's mind. The older someone is, the more stuck they are to that particular process. As long as we can show them that we can get them where they want and ideally do it quicker and Mm. save them Mm. time and money and effort, then it's appreciated. But that's the biggest challenge is when you come from somewhere else, you're married to a process. It's just, it's just change management and helping them through that. And not, like I said, not understanding their pain, I think that's the point, you know, and the first three months they're going to be, and I had struggled with this, Andrea, in the first, you know, first a couple of years of running this business, struggled with people losing it with me. Now I'm like, okay, I'll kind of get it. Let them calm down a bit. Yeah. Then come back yeah. to them and go, right, okay. I think it's a process though, isn't it? It's a process because it's change. No one likes change. It's just no, how it's right. presented and how they can get their head. But I think it's useful that that whole training side after it, because I think it, it, it means that they can go back to the business and say, this is what it's going to look like over the next few months in terms of that transition. It isn't just a matter of a system being kind of plonked on there. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank, thank you for having me. If you'd like to reach out to Bernie, we'll leave his details on the show notes on Spotify or on our company website. So do check out that. Do look out for our weekly Talent Tip Tuesday video series. And as mentioned, I will be launching Women in Recruitment Asia. So if you're a uh, recruitment firm looking to sign up as a company member, please reach out. We have a number of recruitment firms already signed up. So don't lose out on that and embarrass embarrass yourselves by not being part of it. Um, We're really excited about it. Um, Have a good day out there and enjoy the rest of the week. Take care. 
You have been listening to Talent Talk Asia podcast by The Career Establishment. To learn more about The Career Establishment, our people and our latest thinking, visit us at www.thecareerestablishment.com or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook.